It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. My guest is magician Matt Franco. He's headlining at the Link Hotel in Matt Franco, Magic Reinvented Nightly, and where his show has just been extended for the next five years. For everything about Matt Franco and for ticket information, go to mattfranco.com, and you can follow him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Matt Franco Magic. And Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Okay, you are totally different than most magicians for a number of reasons. Not just the fact that you burst upon the scene in Las Vegas, even though I know you, you've been to Las Vegas before as a kid, but due to your television exposure and the fact that you've been performing here now and now have your own, not only have you been extended five years, you actually own your, your own show. Yeah, that's right. It's, uh, it's, it's really exciting. It's been almost five years already, so to, to jump on for another five, it's just a it's an exciting thing and you know, I have great partners over at Caesars Entertainment and uh, I love you know, having a place to call home called the Matt Franco Theater. Yeah, that's the other thing, too. You get to th- See, I've never had a theater named after me, so I, you're already ahead of me just on that, let alone anything. <laughs> well, it's not a race. <laughs> so you became fascinated with magic at the age of four, and I have a theory that your first magic trick was making the second T in your first name disappear. Well, I wish I could take credit for that one. Uh, I'm not sure how my parents screwed that one up, but uh, yes, my name is Matt, M-A-T. And do you find that people, other Matts that you bump into, say, well, how did you, what happened to the other T? And do you use that idea of perhaps making it disappear as the excuse for why you only have one T? Uh, I get that question not just from other Matts, but all the time, and I, I really don't know the answer. Uh, my that... brother's middle name is Matthew, and he has two T's. So <laughs> I don't know why I got stuck with just the one, but I'll tell you what, it's a lot cheaper on, you know, on the marquees and the billboards, one last letter, you know, it actually saves us a couple of times. It's a good thing. <laughs> Yesco Sign Company is dis- disappointed that they can't put another T up there. <laughs> exactly. So that's, that's fine. When was the first time that you realized you wanted to make a profession of magic? Because, as I mentioned, you started at an early age, age four, with your fascination. You started staging your own shows before the age of 10. You know, you obviously won in America's Got Talent. You've had primetime TV specials. But where is it along the line that you started to really realize that you could make a profession out of magic? Uh, I guess I started uh, doing that right around the time I was about to finish school myself. I thought, okay, well, i got to either enter the world of, uh, of work or, you know, continue on this magic journey and see where it takes me. And uh, so right around the time I was finishing school is when I really buckled down and decided I was going to attempt to do magic full time. And, you know, I think I was just hardworking and also lucky to be able to have that start working right away. Because that, that jump off the edge of the cliff is the toughest part. So to have that start to work right away, we're talking now back in 2010, uh, I guess 10 years ago. Yeah. I really, uh, I had already made it in my mind. In my mind, I had achieved the success I was looking for simply because I was making a living doing what I wanted to do. So all of the all, all of the other things that have sort of come as a result have been just truly icing on the cake and uh, things that kind of go beyond what I was what I was really shooting for. You have an interesting combination: 
Matt, in this sense, you were studying business at the University of Rhode Island, and yet your career is in magic. But I think your business lessons helped you in terms of structuring that side of your work. What I mean by that is now you own your own show. You clearly have that kind of mind to be able to put those pieces together, as well as having fun doing the shows themselves. That was the idea. You know, the reason I studied business in college is because uh, that was what I figured could support my magic habit by the time I got out. So uh, that was really, uh, believe it or not, the plan. So uh, the fact that it sort of has panned out that way is, uh, is pretty exciting now that you mention it in retrospect. Yeah, it comes together very, very nicely. You mentioned that it was your habit. Are you addicted to magic or you just are so fascinated by it? Yeah, no, I think it's some. I think it's some form of. I think it is some form of addiction or, or something that draws me to it. I, I can sit down and try to practice, and I'll say, "Oh, I'll just sit down for a couple of minutes," and then, you know, I look at the clock, and three or four hours have gone by. So it really is kind of something that's it's beyond control a little bit, you know. So you, do you think I we should? It. Do you think we should form a magicians anonymous group, and you can. Go there well, and talk. Uh, fortunately, there don't seem to be uh, negative uh, aspects. Fortunately, <laughs> it's only done me, done me well for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, you have fun with your show and, and your choice, obviously, of performing. Where did that spark come from, that part of it? Meaning, you're not doing the traditional solemn, magical presentation where you cut the woman in half without a smile, so to speak. I'm using metaphors here. So where did, where did that, that spark come from that you knew you wanted to add joy to the magical illusion? Well, I think if you're presenting things the way they've already been presented, you know, there's not necessarily a, a need for that. There's not necessarily a demand for that, and there's certainly nothing inside me that makes me want to do that. So for me, when you're creating art, you kind of have to start uh, from a different place. I think you have to have a different point of view. And, uh, you know, I didn't know all of that when I started, but looking back, I, I guess I had one. And uh, fortunately, it was one that, you know, there, there was a need for or is a need for. And uh, I think it's really just a matter of kind of presenting things in the way that I feel is organic to my personality. And you also structure the shows in the sense of you know what you're going to be doing from point A to point B to point C, but you allow a impromptu aspect if I could use that term, an impromptu, uh, impromptu aspect to the show so that you keep it fresh and you keep it sharp, not only for you, but for the audience. Yeah, frankly, I don't know any other way. Uh, I, I love that element of improvisation to sort of keep me on my toes, keep the audience on the edge of their seat. Almost every night, I would, I would imagine every single show, people can walk away and say, oh, I was there on the night that blank happened, whatever that is, because every crowd is different and they all do different things. And I like giving that sort of freedom and looseness and uh, create an experience of us hanging out. You know, if you wanted to just see magic, uh, you could watch me on TV or YouTube or whatever. And, and I think magic loses something through the medium of, of the, the TV screen or the computer screen or the phone screen or whatever it is. That's something you can get by, by typing into Google but when you experience the show live, I'm giving you uh, a piece of me that you, that you can't get um, through all those other mediums. And I think that's uh, interaction and much, much more. You raise a good point in that people are so lazy these days that they can watch television, they can watch any screen, as you mentioned, on your tablet or on your phone or in the computer. 
the live performance in any venue, a live performance in a genre, offers a dimension that is hard to communicate to people who are not seeing it. So people will go see a comedian and they'll see elements of the comedian they wouldn't see if they were watching it on television or looking on their phone. Same with magic, because I think in the back of people's minds, when they see an illusion on television, they might think, oh, part of it is the way the placement of the cameras are, or maybe they edited it somewhere along the way. You're doing your magic live. Yeah, I think that's true for for all art forms. I think you nailed it when you mentioned comedy, and I think you nailed it when you mentioned magic. It's simply it's an experience when you see a show live. It's an experience that can't be, can't be duplicated. And uh, you know, the truth is, I think that the way we've become so addicted to our screens, I think it makes live performance even more exciting when you're you're experiencing something three dimensionally as opposed to uh, on a three or four inch screen in your hand. It really is a different thing um, to be there and know that anything can happen at any time. And that's the nature of live performance. And uh, that's, that's what we get across in our show. And even the, the blunders that occasionally happen in any performance, uh, the sound goes out or a light, light bulb pops, those kinds of things can happen too, which adds to the thrill and excitement of a live show. You know, it really does. And, uh, you know, we've all, uh, as performers, we've all experienced those things from an onstage perspective, and we've also experienced them from an audience perspective. And and that's the greatest thing. I mean, there's nothing more fun for me than, than sitting in the audience, watching a real pro do their thing. And it doesn't matter what goes wrong. It's really just nothing that, that can phase them and everything just bounces off and they know what to say and how to react and how to make it funny and how to make it real. Those are the things that, that really separates amateurs from pros. And uh, it's, it's such an exciting thing to watch. And, uh, you know, it can be an exciting thing to execute as well from, from on stage. Absolutely. When you look out in your audience and you see that it's a different demographic each time because audiences in Las Vegas are different from a typical city. So, for example, if you were performing in Fresno or you're performing in Dallas, you'd get a general sense of an audience. But here we have so many visitors coming in, as well as the locals. We have a tremendous local market as well. So you're looking out on the Mm -hmm. audience and you're seeing all kinds of uh, demographics. Is there one particular, not to narrow you down, but is there one particular demographic that you thought through who you wanted to appeal to? Or did you want to be very much a generalized performer? I never really thought about it. I will say, you know, Vegas audiences are, are really tough to beat because they are so diverse. I mean, it's, uh, that, that's the cool thing. We have people all over the world, from all over the world every night at the show. And that is amazing to me. We have people that don't speak the same language as me, right? And my show is very intellectual. Um, and somehow they appear to, to still enjoy it, which is cool because magic has a, a visual aspect to it. I never made a conscious effort to appeal to a specific demographic. And I never made a conscious effort to be general either. Um, you know, I, I, I think that magic inherently uh, can be appealing to ages of, you know, 8 to 80, so to say. And I think that, that, that that's helpful because we, we get that um, here in Las Vegas. You, you get, I know you don't think of Vegas as a place for kids necessarily, but we have lots of families every, every single night and uh, everything from middle-aged to older folks to teenagers to, you know, bachelor and bachelorette parties. We kind of get it all. And uh, I love that. 
No, it's great. And I'm wondering, do you ever consider yourself, and I don't mean it in a puff-up way, but magic is always in a precarious position. What I mean by that is that it's not necessarily a mass market form of entertainment on an ongoing basis. So you have moments of where there's a lot of magicians performing on the strip, and then there's not as many magicians performing on the strip. Do you see yourself, and I'm serious with the question, as an ambassador of magic and helping it to keep it in front of the general public? Yeah, I always aim to do that, you know. Uh, I think magic is uh, more and more popular as we speak. You have shows like America's Got Talent, you know, and at the time I had done that show, magicians hadn't always fared very well on it. But I think I helped show, I, I like to think that I helped show that magic can do well in that sort of platform. And it really is. I mean, it's the biggest show in the world, America's Got Talent, you know, and it's been around a long time now. And now, you know, since then, since 2014, we've started to see more success from magicians on that show. And then uh, I think also as a result of that, more appearances of magicians on talk shows and, and things like that. I mean, you're seeing magic sort of popping up in all the viral videos and things like that. So I think magic's popularity is, is certainly on the rise, which is a, a great thing. And I, I love to think that I could be a small part of that. Well, let's take a break. My guest magician, Matt Franco, he's headlining at the Link Hotel in Matt Franco, Magic Reinvented Nightly where his show has been just extended for the next five years. For everything about Matt Franco and for ticket information, go to mattfranco.com and you can follow him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Matt Franco Magic. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more Talk About Las Vegas with Ira in just a moment. You've seen mobsters and cops face off on the big screen. You've heard the legends of Al Capone and Elliot Ness. But how much do you know about what really happened? Dive into the true stories behind the myths of organized crime and law enforcement at the Mob Museum, the country's finest collection of mob artifacts, history, and interactive exhibits. Find out more and get tickets at themobmuseum.org. Now, let's get back to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Welcome back. I'm talking with magician Matt Franco. He's headlining at the Link Hotel in Matt Franco, Magic Reinvented Nightly, where his show has just been extended for the next five years. For everything about Matt Franco and for ticket information, go to mattfranco.com and you can follow him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at mattfrancomagic. And Matt, how important is social media for you as a performing magician on the Las Vegas Strip? You know, it's something I enjoy taking part in. I, I share different videos of magic, of things that I might be working on uh, here and there. And uh, I think it's just a, a great way for me to be able to connect with fans and to be accessible to people coming to the shows and for people seeing me on different things. You know, it's a great way for people to stay connected and what's going on um, career-wise, personal-wise, all that stuff. Uh, social media is obviously all the rage for the past several years. But I could see you performing even if there was no social media. And clearly, once you have the skills, the talent, and the presentation, you do it just about anywhere. What's great is you're doing it on the Las Vegas Strip. So for you, I don't know if you ever thought about it when you were younger, but did you ever think about performing on the Las Vegas Strip? I think it was just kind of a, a pipe dream when I was really, really young. And then as I got older into my later teenage years and became more realistic, 
uh, it w- was no longer something that I ever imagined would happen for me. And I tackled more realistic goals, such as just performing anywhere that would have me. You know, my motto was, if they're paying, I'm doing. When you were figuring out what to do with magic, and as you said, if it pays, you're going to play, So, which is a great concept. So a lot of people don't realize that there's a lot of hard work involved in magic. How, how hard was it for you initially, even though you loved the, obviously you loved magic, but just learning the different illusions and putting it all together in a presentation that was professional? It's a labor of love for me. Uh, I would never suggest anybody get involved in magic in any way, shape, or form unless you really love it, because the amount of time that it requires uh, is, is intense. And um, it's a cumulative art form. I think the longer you do it and the more time you study and spend and the more you perform in front of real audiences, the better you'll get. But it really takes a lot of time uh, to, to fully understand it. And, you know, in a lot of ways, I feel like a beginner. So, I mean, I can't say that I fully understand it, but I I think that remaining a student of it is important. So I kind of think I'll always remain a student of it because it is such a a dense topic to study. And there's so much literature on magic and I have um, so many of my own thoughts on magic and how to, how to present it and how to make it better and different methods and things. I think it's just always evolving and, uh, very uh, time-consuming. Um, I don't know. You can't call it physical labor, really. You know, there are a lot of more uh, things that would be considered, quote-unquote, hard work. But for me, it's a labor of love. I love the work, but it uh, occupies all my time. It's not as hard as digging ditches, probably, but then you could make the shovel disappear. So I think that could work out fine. Well, that would make it a lot harder to dig the ditch. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Unless you can somehow get the earth to move, which you, I think, could make it work. So when you were growing up and looking at various magicians perform on television and elsewhere, were there one or two that stood out in your mind as not necessarily a model, but inspiration? Yeah, there were, there were uh, much more than just that. Um, three in particular jumped to mind. Uh, one of them is uh, named Bill Malone, and he is a Florida-based magician now, and he performs, he specializes in the corporate uh, market of shows. So he performs for different companies and events, and he's one of the best light-of-hand artists in all the world, but also he's very entertaining. And that's a hard combination to come by. Someone who really excels in, in the technical skill but also really good at connecting with people. That's a really hard combo, and Bill's got it, and uh, I've learned a lot from watching him. And, uh, you know, we've become uh, friends, and he's been very kind to me, and he's, uh, he's helped me with a lot of different things. Uh, Jeff McBride was a big influence to me in terms of stage magic and manipulation and really difficult sleight-of-hand style stuff, and he brought such a unique approach to magic. He's based here in Las Vegas, and he has a magic school, now that he that he runs in addition to performing so he's one of the most uh, influential performers of, of our time uh, simply because he has so many students all over the world and then uh, third would be Lance Burton because I grew up watching his television specials I saw him perform uh, here uh, at the now MBM Park I, I guess it's, uh, it was the Monte Carlo at the time correct um, I saw Lance perform his show and also saw him on TV and and his you know, approach to magic had a, a big influence on me as well because he wasn't playing a character. He was just sort of an exaggerated version of his own personality on stage, which I think spoke to me. 
Yes, and I always liked Lance's combination of formality and humor and presentation. It just seemed to work very well. Absolutely. What about books? Not to get too technical for our audience, but was there one particular magic book that spoke to you? Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say there's one in particular because there are so many. I, I I'm not sure I could even pick a favorite magic book, but I've uh, I have a library of them here at home, and uh, it continues to grow on a regular basis. And the best ones tend to be the older ones, the ones that have been around for some of them over a century, you know, and and more. It's like. The stuff that's in there, uh, a lot of it is not being done nowadays and has been forgotten or never fully explored. So you can find a lot of interesting concepts that can be applied to things that didn't exist back when they were written. And uh, I think that's how new things, uh, one of the ways that new things are created. I also look at magicians and I, I see them slightly different than other performers in that in there's general showbiz where people that are in show business relate to each other. And there's the different segments, we talked about comedians earlier, and comedians can be supportive of one another, but at the same time, there is a certain amount of tension between one comedian and another for various reasons in terms of where their career path is, etc. Magicians, no matter where they are on the spectrum, seem to have a, an affinity for each other, not through even just the formal conventions that take place and organizations that are out there, but just hanging out with each other and learning things and showing each other different illusions that they're working on, et cetera. Do you find that well, to be the case? Yeah, I think it's such a, I think it's such a niche, uh, niche hobby or niche interest that uh, when you find someone else that has that disease of magic that we talked about before, <laughs> it's actually very, very exciting. So, <laughs> the disease uh, of magic. Know, it's like a magnet we get drawn, drawn to each other. I like it, the disease of magic. So maybe mm-hmm. maybe it is a Magicians Anonymous. Maybe we do need that group. <laughs> so, but exactly. I, I also detect from you a freshness in this sense. There are performers who have performed since childhood, and they get, mm-hmm. I don't want to use the word hardened, but they just get, I guess I use the word hardened. I can't think of another one. They just get... Jaded? Yes, they're, thank you, Matt. They get jaded mm-hmm. with what they're doing. And that's a tough thing to avoid if you're a certain type of personality. You're clearly the other kind of personality that not only wants to continue to learn and collect books on magic and learn new aspects of it, but also to just perform before the audience and keep it fresh. And so you don't seem to have that jaded feel. Now, I can talk to you in 20 years from now. I may be dead. You'll still be alive. But... I think you're the type of personality that will always find delight in not just performing magic, but learning new illusions and just entertaining people. Am I right? Wrong? In between? Well, I'm only I'm only 31 years old, so it's pretty easy for me to not be jaded. I absolutely hope that you're correct, uh, but I'll tell you what I I vow to you know the second I feel that that light disappear, um, you know I'll do something else. You know I don't want to be uh, doing a profession that I'm not passionate about doing. I want to I want to be passionate about my work, so I'll stay involved in it for as long as that passion continues. Now, I've lived with this passion my entire life, so I can't imagine it going anywhere, of course, but we never know what tomorrow brings. But the answer to your question really is, is Donnie Osmond. You know, I saw Donnie and Marie perform a couple of times in this past year when they were at the Flamingo, 
And, uh, you know, Johnny, both of them, but I mean, Johnny in particular jumped out to me as like, wow, this guy was a child star and uh, is is so present and in the moment in this show right now. There's no one that's been in the business longer and this feels like real Vegas to me. Carrot Top is the answer. People that uh, have been in the business such a long time and still have that passion and are able to share it with audiences night after night on stage. I mean, that's the person that you want to aspire to be if you're, if you're doing what I do. So do you see yourself, as I mentioned earlier, you are renewed for another five years, expanded or extended for another five years. Do you see staying on the Las Vegas Strip beyond that? In other words, can you see yourself going 10, 15, 20 years? Uh, yeah, it's easy to envision. I totally could see that happening, but it's one of those things where if I look back at where I was five years ago, I hadn't even opened my show in Vegas yet. So I didn't even know if I was going to be here five days, five months, five years. I just didn't know. I had never done a single show at the link yet. And that was just five years ago. That's crazy. I'm in a much different life position than I was then. Now, if you go back five years before that, I had never done a single lick of television, no experience in front of a camera whatsoever. So if you were to say to 2009, Matt, who was literally a college student, oh, by the way, you know, you're going to go on America's Got Talent and win. I'd say, oh, you're crazy. That's that's just not possible. And if you go back five years before that, I, you know, as a high school student. So five years, although it goes by quickly, is actually a significant jump. And it's really impossible to say where I see myself in five years. I, I, it's, a, it's a kind of, I think, a, a harder question for anyone to answer than they realize. And um, I try not to set my goals too specific because so far by making broad goals, I've somehow managed to exceed them. That's a great way to leave it great advice for people, too. My guest has been magician Matt Franco. He's headlining at the Link Hotel and Matt Franco, Magic Reinvented Nightly, and where his show has just been extended for the next five years. For everything about Matt Franco and for ticket information, go to mattfranco.com and you can follow him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Matt Franco Magic. And Matt, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Help me.